I want to start this morning with, with a video that I have shown, I think, more than once at Christmas time, but I have to tell you, this video never gets old, and I wanted to share it again this morning, so take a look at your screen. An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're gonna have what? I can't say good. Mary, you're gonna have a baby. I, you're gonna have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not gonna have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple, and then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is get, getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold ring and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably because the room is very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby i ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if you could hear because you were laughing at the end, but the very last line was, this baby is going to change the world. And it makes me tear up every time. I've watched that video, I don't know, dozens of times. It just makes me tear up. Because I love, I, I, hmm. I love the portrayal of how they love Jesus. And those children, I think they believe that this baby is going to change the world might be hard for us to understand. Am I right? If you've, if you've paid attention to what's happening in the world, it would be easy to ask the question, has the world really changed? Or is that an empty promise? I mean, come on. It feels like the world is getting worse and worse. There's wars in Ukraine, wars in Gaza, there's racism, there's anti-Semitism, there's hatred. This week there was another mass shooting. Did Jesus really change the world? And today, I, I want to ask you, would you believe me if I told you, yes, Jesus really did change the world? Because what I want to unpack for you today is exactly how. 
Jesus has changed the world. And it's going to lead us to proclaim together. Hallelujah. We're in this series. Tosh mentioned it earlier today. Uh, we're in this series that we've called Hallelujah. This is week three. And, uh, and uh, what, what we've been teaching on in this series, uh, man, that video just made me all mushy. What we've, been, what we've been teaching on is some, some of the songs in, in the scriptures that, that are praise songs. And I started a couple of weeks ago with this hallelujah from the Psalms. And last week, Kelly was teaching, and, and she contrasted these songs of Hannah and the song of Mary. It, it was so beautiful. And, and today, I'm going to take you to Isaiah chapter 12. And if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 12, I think you will enjoy following along with me this morning. Of course, Isaiah is, is in the Old Testament of your Bible, and Isaiah is, is one of the longer books in the Old Testament, very, very long, and, uh, and, and chapter 12 is a song. And I'm going to get into the hallelujah part and the praise part in a second, but I just want to start by reading right from the beginning, from Isaiah chapter 12. And, and keep in mind here, this is a song. And it says this, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Now I'm going to stop right there because when I got that far into the psalm, I had to ask the question, who exactly is God angry at? Because this is a little, you know, we sing a lot of worship songs here at Connect and we love to sing. We're worshipers, but we don't often sing about the anger of God, right? So who is God angry at? And this, this took me on, on a big adventure in trying to figure out who God is angry at. We call it a ribbon chase around here where you, where you just grab on to this, this ribbon and you just try to find out where it, where it goes. And so to find out exactly who God is angry at, I, I began to read all of the chapters that came before Isaiah chapter 12. And, and here's some of the things that I discovered. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. He was speaking to the people of Israel and Judah. And in this section of his prophecy, Isaiah is predicting that judgment is coming on the people. Because the leaders of the people and, and many of the Israelites, many of the Jews had been unfaithful to God. And, and I, I want to make sure you understand now that Isaiah is Old Testament, it's Old Covenant. Did you know that covenant and testament are synonyms. Those words mean the same thing. So this is Old Covenant, this is Old Testament, and the word covenant or testament just means agreement. And so the Old Covenant was the covenant of Moses in which God entered into an agreement with his people, and the agreement went kind of like this. As long as you obey me, you're going to live in my blessing. But if you disobey, there's going to be judgment. Now, how many of you don't like the word judgment? Why, why don't you like the word judgment? We, we all hate judgment, right? Because we don't like rejection. And in our culture, I think we usually associate judgment with rejection. If I'm judged, it means somebody has just put me aside, dismissed me, whatever. In, in, in the old covenant, judgment meant God was going to put things in order. He's going to make things right. And so it was less about punitive punishment and rejection and casting away, and it was more about God setting things right. But it was still a scary thing. And so what would happen is when the people were in these often decades or even centuries of rebellion, disobedience against God, he would send prophets to warn them, if you don't change course, if you don't go back to obedience, there's going to be judgment. And these warnings would come. And Isaiah is one of these prophets who warned again and again and again about the coming judgment of God. But here's what I want you to know. This covenant of judgment for disobedience 
is the old covenant, the old agreement. This isn't our covenant. Do you understand this? Because we are new covenant people. I'll get into more of that in a little bit. But this is not our covenant. But it's important for us to understand because we've got to figure out who, who's God angry at. Okay? But the, the people and the leaders were worshiping other gods. Judgment is imminent. But along with this warning from Isaiah comes a beautiful, beautiful promise. It's the promise of Messiah. It's the promise of salvation, promise of rescue. Have you ever needed to be rescued? I was telling Colt this morning, uh, when I was a kid and I had just learned to drive, I went skiing up at Showdown Ski Area between Monarch and Nyhart. Have you guys been to that? You know where I'm talking about. And I was driving this big old boat of a car that my parents gave us kids. And uh, mid, mid through the day, I decided for whatever reason, I wanted to go to Nyhart and get something to eat. I don't remember why. And left my cousin up on the hill. And th this was before cell phones, okay? And, and, and I nosed that big old boat of a car into the creek. Hit some ice and just... And, and then I had to sit there until somebody would come and pick me up, take me to Nyhart. And, and I had to wait to be rescued by a tow truck in White Sulphur Springs. Have you ever needed to be rescued? Okay, maybe you, the rescue you need is something more spiritual or more relational, but if you've ever needed rescue, you know how desperate you can feel in that moment, yeah? The people of Israel needed rescue, and the Lord was warning of judgment, but he was also promising rescue through Messiah. So let me just quickly highlight some things. If you've got your Bibles open, you can just kind of follow along with me. I went clear back to Isaiah chapter 7 to see uh, what was going on in, in this context. And in Isaiah chapter 7, God is warning the king. His name was Ahaz. He was a wicked king. He was in rebellion. And God was warning him of judgment. And, and he said, I, I, I just don't believe. I don't believe this is God. I don't really believe God is speaking. I'm not really worried. And God said through Isaiah, why don't you ask me for a sign? And Ahaz, Ahaz said, I don't need a sign. I'm all good. And the Lord said, listen, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Anybody else in the room this morning when we were singing, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Oh, did you ever wonder why we sing that at Christmas time? Because this is the promise of rescue to the people of Israel. Chapter 8. Flip over to chapter 8. In this chapter, there's this warning of judgment that's coming through the nation Assyria. And, and, and the, the warning comes in the form of a metaphor. The metaphor is like, Assyria is like a river, and the river is going to overflow its riverbanks, and it's going to fill the whole land of Israel and Judah. It's just going to fill the land, and it's going to look like judgment. There's the warning. And then we get to Isaiah chapter 9, and there's this beautiful promise of rescue. Verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Sound familiar? This is another verse we use all the time at Christmas. It's the promise of rescue through Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 10, there's more warning of the Assyrians that are coming. And in verses 24 and 25, Isaiah tells the people, listen, don't be afraid of the Assyrians. They're going to come. They're bringing God's judgment. But after that's done, God's going to judge the Assyrians because they're real wicked too. So there's kind of a mixed warning and a promise. And then we get to Isaiah 11. And this is so beautiful. In Isaiah chapter 11, right at the beginning, if you're following along, there's this promise of rescue. It says this, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump 
of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Now, if this is new to you, let me just explain what's going on. Here's another prophetic metaphor. A lot of times the prophets would use metaphors. And in this metaphor, he's envisioning the people of Israel to be like a forest of mighty trees, maybe cedars, all right? And when the Assyrians come in and the judgment of God comes, all the trees are chopped down and there's just a forest of stumps. But there's a stump with the name Jesse on it. Do you remember who Jesse is? No, it's not Jesus. Jesse is the father of King David. And what this prophecy is saying is there's a stump that isn't dead. And it's King David's stump. It's his father's stump, Jesse's stump. And the rest of this section says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon this branch that is springing from the stump the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is talking about the promise of Messiah. And in chapter 11, Isaiah is saying, listen, you're gonna experience the judgment of God, but after the judgment comes the rescue. You're gonna be restored to the land and Messiah will come as your rescuer. Are you with me? And then we get to the song of chapter 12. And here's what I discovered. God was angry at his people, the Jews, because they had broken their covenant. But I also discovered that in the very beginning of verse 1 in chapter 12, when it says, in that day, he's talking about the day of rescue. Okay, so you're with me? It's really, really cool. So now let's go back to chapter 12. And it's on the screen or you can follow along. This is also on the back of your note cards. I put out some <coughs> notes for you if you want to follow along on the back of your cards. Okay, here's what we read. Back at, at chapter 12 again. It says, you will say in that day, and then I put in the Hebrew words here, Yada Yahweh. Now, Yada is a Hebrew word that means to give thanks and praise. You'll see the very next line on your notes there or on the screen. It says, I will give thanks to you, O Yahweh. There's eight words in that phrase. It only takes two words in Hebrew to say all of that. And it's Yada Yahweh. Why don't you say that with me? Yada Yahweh. Now, Yada is a lot like the word hallelujah that we've been teaching on the last couple of weeks. Yada is a different word for halal. Uh, if you remember, we, we gave you the definition of hallelujah or halal, which is the root word of hallelujah, that means to be joyfully and clamorously and even ridiculously joyful praising God, okay? Now, we are very reserved here at Connect Church, and we don't get very ridiculous very often, so you might like yadah better. I'm not saying you should like Yadah better. I'm just telling you if you feel like you're a reserved person. Yadah is to give thanks or praise, and it specifically means to raise the hands. It means to raise the hands. And there's an element of this word in Hebrew that means to throw, okay? And so when, when, when some people, I, I've been in, in worship gatherings in which the worship leaders are, are doing this action with their hands, you know what they're doing? Is they're doing Yadah. They're throwing their praise to the Lord, okay? And it's thanking him and praising him. And, and, and this action is just a physical action of praise and worship that we're usually kind of like this. Or if you're new to it, you're kind of like this. Okay. Yada. Everybody say, Yada Yahweh. Yada Yahweh. I will give thanks to you, O Yahweh. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away. Now do you get the anger part and why this is good news? That you might comfort me. Now we go on to verse 2. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. For Yah is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. Now you see in this verse the word salvation is used twice. And that took me on a whole another adventure that led me to the New Testament gospel of Matthew chapter 1. This is the Christmas story. 
in Matthew chapter 1. And here in Matthew chapter 1, we read this account in which the angel comes to Joseph. That video showed that story really beautifully. The angel comes to Joseph and he says, listen, Joseph, Mary is pregnant, but it's a miraculous pregnancy. I love how the kids in that video said, she's not lying, because you can imagine that Joseph was probably a little skeptical, right? And the angel comes and says, listen, Mary is miraculously pregnant, and she's going to have a baby, and Joseph, you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, you've got to do a little digging here to find out what this connection is. Jesus, in Hebrew or Aramaic, which was Jesus' native language, Jesus is Yeshua. It's the Hebrew word for salvation. It's the same Hebrew word that we read in Isaiah 12, verse 2. Is that cool? So if we go back, if we go back to that verse... We can just put in the word Yeshua in that verse, and it says, Behold, God is my Yeshua. I will trust. I won't be afraid. Yah is my strength and my song, and he has become my Yeshua. Do you see what's happening here? Here's another prophecy that God is going to become incarnate in the person of Jesus, and he's bringing rescue, salvation. Jesus is the rescue. Now, I want to keep reading, but here's, here's the yummy part of my study. I, I was using the, the ESV translation, which is a translation I don't often use at this point in my study, and I noticed that in verse 1, if you're following along or if you're using the back of your notes, you'll notice in verse 1 there's a footnote did you notice that when you were reading through there's a footnote? And when I'm studying, I always want to know what the footnotes say. And this footnote said something very simple, but it unlocks this whole song for us. It says in that footnote that the word you in the Hebrew language is singular. So it's talking to one person or one group of people. And if we understand that God is angry or was angry at the leaders and the people who had broken covenant, he's talking in those first two verses to Israel, but now in verse three, the, the pronoun becomes plural in Hebrew. Do you know why this is important? Because in English, we don't have a plural second person pronoun. So I can, I can say, Clayton, you are looking great today, okay? Or I can say, connect, you are looking great today. In my first sentence, you was one person. In my second sentence, you is 200 people. And it's the same word. How do you know whether it's singular or plural? We don't have, so some people in different regions of the United States use y'all. Or if you're backwoods, you say youans. Okay. My more dignified friends in upstate New York say yous. And so... So I've, I've just inserted these into our text. It's up on the screen and it's on the back of your, of your notes. Here's verse three. Verse three shifts to this plural and says, with joy, use, everybody, use will draw water from the wells of Yeshua. And use will say on that day, yada Yahweh. That's for all of us. You want to say it? Yada Yahweh. Okay, you can do better. Yous will give thanks to Yahweh. You'll call on his name. You'll make known his deeds among the peoples. You'll proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to Yahweh, for he has done gloriously. And then this, this, this is the key. Let this be made known in all the earth. These three verses are for the whole earth. The first two verses of this song were for Israel. These three verses are for the whole earth. And then the pronoun shifts again in verse 6, and it goes back to Israel. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. What's Zion? It's Jerusalem. For great in your midst, singular pronoun, 
is the Holy One of Israel. Okay, now here's how Jesus changed the world. Are you ready for this? Here's how Jesus changed the world. The Yeshua rescue is for all of you. The Yeshua rescue is for all of you. Everybody is invited to be rescued. Now, Israel didn't really get this because they thought that the rescue was just for them. They couldn't see, at least in Isaiah's day, and they struggled even when Jesus finally came. They couldn't see that God had such a bigger plan that the rescue was for the whole planet. They thought the covenant of Moses would last forever. They didn't perceive that Messiah would bring a brand new covenant that would change everything. But what Isaiah was envisioning here in chapter 12, hundreds of years before Jesus, was that the rescue, the Yeshua, was for everybody. Vern, the rescue is for you. Jake, the rescue is for you. The rescue is for your family. Tosh, the rescue is for you. Sarah, the rescue is for you. Jeff and Julie, rescue for you. Nobody's excluded. I'm not going to go around the whole room because I'll forget somebody's name. But the rescue is for you. This might be news to somebody here today. Because I think sometimes we feel like we've been excluded. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I want to ask you the question, have you ever felt like you're excluded from God's goodness? Let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, I, I was born into the, a family of collectors. And when I was a kid, my, my parents found out that I had an interest in nutcrackers, and so they began to give me nutcrackers for gifts. And, uh, and when I was in high school, uh, my parents decided that they wanted me to be a serious collector. And so they did a bunch of research to find out who made the best, highest quality nutcrackers in the whole world. And it turns out they were made by a company in Germany called Christian Steinbach. Who invited Siri? <laughs> Maybe that was me. Maybe I turned on Siri. I don't know. Christian Steinbach made the best nutcrackers in the world. And so my parents bought me, I, I think I was a senior in high school when they bought me my first nutcracker. It was just a, a, a little guy, but it, it and I, I still have it. He's intricately carved and beautifully decorated. And there's just this precision and beautiful. And then in 1993, I was, I was 29 years old. I think I turned 30 that year. 1993, they bought me my first big one. Now, this, this isn't the first one. I just brought him for illustration. This is a Steinbach, but he's kind of little. My, my big one is about this big. And they bought me this Steinbach nutcracker, and they happened, when they bought it, they happened to be at an event where the creator of these Christian Steinbach nutcrackers was signing the nutcrackers. And so they, they had the bottom of my nutcracker signed, and it says, Happy Birthday, Russell, December 9th, 1993, with love and kisses from Christian Steinbach, and his signature is all over the bottom. I didn't bring it because he's just so precious. And so uh, that started my own addiction. I know there's a few other nutcracker addicts in the room. I'm not the only one. But this became an addiction, and of course, that first one in 1993, that was part of a series of 10. So then every year after that, Christian Steinbach released the next one in the series, and I had to have them all, because if you're a real collector, you have to have them all. That's the rule of collecting, okay? You're not a real collector if you don't buy them all. So where I'm going with this is several years later... Chris and I were, had, had gone to Leavenworth, Washington. Have you ever been to Leavenworth? It's this little Bavarian vi village in, in western Washington. It's just charming. And, and there's a store in Leavenworth, Leavenworth called the Nuskanacker House. It's the Nutcracker House. 
And every year they would have an event where Christian Steinbach would come in the flesh and he would sign the nutcrackers that you bought at the Nesknacker house that year. Or you could bring the ones you had bought previously. And so Chris and I decided on this, this occasion we were going to go. We had three nutcrackers that we wanted Christian Steinbach to sign in the flesh. And he appears at this event and he's in his leader hosen and he's got this white hair and a beard and he looks like a nutcracker in, in, in himself, right? And, and he comes in and, and there's... Chris and I were young in those days. We're not young anymore, but we were young then. And... Uh, and, and these were mostly older people, you know, gray hairs, and, and, and they'd been collecting for years, and, and everybody knew each other. They were from Seattle or Portland, you know, and Chris and I are from Hickville, Montana, and we're at this event, and we're young. We don't fit in. We just feel completely, but we had Herr Steinbach sign our nutcrackers, and, and everybody's just like, oh, Herr Steinbach, oh, Herr Steinbach. <laughs> and then the event was followed by a luncheon. So we went to this other place, this little restaurant, and there was a luncheon, and, and we walked in, and all of these people who knew each other had all clustered at tables, and they were all talking amongst themselves, and Chris and I noticed that nobody had left room for us, because nobody knew us. We had never been there before. Nobody was particularly friendly, and so we went to the last table that was available, and we sat down by ourselves for lunch. We kind of felt awkward because it's no fun to be excluded, right? And then the star of the show walked in, Herr Steinbach and his wife, Mrs. Steinbach. I don't remember how to say Mrs. in German. Frau. Frau. Frau Steinbach. They walk in. And do you know where they sat? At our table. <laughs> because it was the only two seats left. <laughs> and so here we were, and Chris and I are like, huh, we get to sit with the Steinbach. <laughs> it was rescue from being excluded. Listen, why am I sharing this story? I'm sharing this story because if you've ever felt like you're excluded from the goodness of God, for whatever reason, Jesus came to rescue you. He came to rescue you. And it's a promise that you can count on. A couple of things that I want to say about this, and I'm not going to talk a lot longer here, and then we're going to stand and worship. We're going to say, yada, together. But two things I want to share with you about this rescue, that it's for all of you. First thing I want you to know today is that Yahweh is not angry at all of you. Somebody here needs to know this. Yahweh is not angry at all of you. And he's not angry at you individually either. The message of Messiah, the message of Jesus, the message of Yeshua is that you have been rescued. And the old covenant, this covenant of obedience equals blessing, disobedience equals judgment, that covenant was fulfilled by Jesus. Now, these are Jesus' words. Jesus said, I have fulfilled the entire law, which means he, he satisfied all the requirements of the old covenant, and then he replaced it with a new covenant, a new covenant of unconditioned love. Now, I'm using language very specifically, unconditioned love. That means there is nothing you can do to earn God's love. He just loves you. Full stop. He loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've sinned, no matter how you've rebelled, no matter the mistakes you've made, his love for you is completely unconditioned. And he invites you into relationship with himself. It's different than the old covenant where you had to be good enough 
But Jesus came and he fulfilled that covenant and then he replaced it. In fact, this might be hard for you to swallow, but it's in the Bible. The book of Hebrews, it says that old covenant has been made obsolete. And that's not to say that the Old Testament isn't valuable. I'm teaching from the Old Testament today because it's beautiful and it points us to Jesus. The whole Bible points to Jesus. But all of that guilt and shame and judgment and fear that comes with it, that's been replaced by this unconditioned love that God has for you. This is new covenant and God isn't angry at all of you. And he's not angry at any one of you. He's just inviting you to come. Does this make sense? I run into people all the time who are so afraid of God's anger. There's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of people have been taught that God is this angry God up in the sky that's just looking for an opportunity to squish somebody. A lot of people have been taught that God is a controlling egomaniac that wants to just make everybody do whatever he wants, that God demands our worship. That's not who he is. That's not the God that Jesus reveals. God reveals this God who loves the world so much that he sent his son to fulfill the law and then bring this new covenant of love. Have you ever heard somebody say, have you ever invited somebody to church? I get this every once in a while. You invite somebody to church and they say, whew, if I came into your church, the walls would fall in. (laughs) What is that saying? That's saying, I am afraid that God is angry at me. I'm convinced that God is angry at me. If that's you today, can I just tell you that Yeshua came to bring rescue for you and you're not excluded. Lucky you, you sat at the table that only had three seats left, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See what I did there? That was awesome. (laughs) That was off the top of my head. The the Yeshua rescue is for all of you. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, here's the second thing I want you to know before we worship today. Second thing I want you to know is that all of you are invited to come and drink. All of you are invited to come and drink. I want to go back to Isaiah 12 for just a moment. There was this one verse in there that is so beautiful. Verse 3 in that song says, With joy, use all of you will draw water from the wells of Yeshua, from the wells of salvation, from the wells of Jesus. Jesus fulfilled this in the Gospel of John. There's this beautiful account in the Gospel of John. John is, er, Jesus is in the temple. It's, it's during the Feast of Booths, this huge feast for the, for the people of Israel, and they would gather in, in the courtyards of, of the temple. And on the last day of the festival, they would pour out these giant jugs of water and the water would rush all through the temple courts. And on that day, the Gospel of John says, Jesus stood up and shouted to the people, all you thirsty ones, come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. This was a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 12, hundreds of years after it was written. And Jesus was saying, if you've got some kind of spiritual thirst, he's invited. Did you see the first word in his his speech? All of you thirsty ones, if you've got a thirst that nothing else can quench, You're invited to come and be satisfied by Jesus. Have you ever been there? There's a a song, man, I don't know, 20 years old, 25 years old, by K.D. Lang called Constant Craving. Do you remember that song? 
You heard that song? Every time I hear that song, constant craving, and I know what she's singing about, but whenever I hear that song come on the radio, I go, it's Jesus! What you need is Jesus. You don't need all this other stuff. You need Jesus. He's the one you're craving. He's the one you're thirsting for. What are you craving for this morning, friends? Jesus invites you to come and drink. You know how the Bible ends? This is at the very end of your Bible. Revelation 22. It says, come says the Holy Spirit and the bride. Let everyone, all of you, let everyone who hears join in saying, come. Let everyone gripped with spiritual thirst say, come. And let everyone who craves the gift of living water come and drink it freely. Come. Every one of you are invited to come and drink. What is going on? Just pack that right over there on that towel. And there's other one here. Baptize these feet in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There you go. Uh, welcome to church. <laughs> Hello. Let's have that foot, please. This is okay. Place them both on that towel and then step on into church. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, young lady. How are you? Let's have that foot. Have that other foot. <laughs> yeah, why don't you go sit next to that fella in the cantaloupe jacket? <laughs> Good to see you. Enjoy. Welcome to church. Hello, young lady. Well, last year I had the privilege of visiting uh, New York City. And like any good tourist, I paid a visit to the Statue of Liberty. And I read those famous words Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And as I read those words, I thought, well, that's Christianity, isn't it? It's the essence of it. An invitation to the broken. Jesus was very friendly with the outcasts. In Revelation 22, it says, let the one who can hear say, come, let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the waters of life freely. This place, it is yours. If you feel like misunderstood and judged, this is where you belong. If you feel ashamed or trapped in something you've done or are doing, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. is yours. You're invited to come and the rescue is for all of you. Every single one. You know what else? It's for all of them. It's for all of them. The rescue is for anyone who is thirsty. Because Jesus came.
Would you stand to your feet? I want to go to that, that last slide, would you, Aslan? Um, yeah. This is the invitation for all of us. Yous will say in that day, Yadah Yahweh. What is that day? It's the day of rescue. It's today. Who's it for? Every single one of us. So why don't you say, Yadah Yahweh. Okay, that was very polite. Now, because we're going to worship. Yadah Yahweh. I want you to do the actions with me. Come on. Yadah Yahweh. Do it again. Yadah Yahweh. Now say, I praise and thank you, Yahweh. Oh, and call upon his name. Call upon, what's his name? His name is Yahweh. What's the other name? Yeshua, Jesus. Will you begin to call upon him? Musicians are going to start to play. I want you to start to say the name of God. Yahweh, Jesus, Yeshua. Will you begin to just articulate his name? Start talking to him. Just close your eyes. Don't worry about the people around you. Come on. Just call upon his name. Yeshua, Jesus. Today we are calling out to you, Jesus. Somebody here needs rescue. Somebody here today needs to know that they are welcome at the table. Somebody here today needs to know that Yahweh is good. And the day of his anger has been set aside. Aslan, go back to that slide, please. Yeshua, Savior, Jesus. We welcome you to come and pour out living water in this place. And now the last part of this verse says, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. And this is the invitation to sing. Are you ready? We're going to sing at the top of our lungs. Because why? Yadah Yahweh. Come on, sing with me. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great. How great is our God? How great is our God? Sing to me how great is our God. Oh, see how great, how great is our God. Okay, Aslan, we can go to the song. The slave. How great 
so we are yadaing. Everybody say yada. Naomi over here is offering a hallelujah. Because the hallelujah is when you kind of make yourself ridiculous. Not that you're ridiculous, Naomi, you're beautiful. But if you weren't here the Sunday that Naomi shared, she's not comfortable doing this. But she had an encounter with the Lord where he invited her to worship in a demonstrative way to break something open in the spiritual realm. Sometimes we got to break through, guys. Sometimes just staying in our comfort zone just keeps us where we are. Somebody needs to break free today, okay? And it might be a yada. It might be swinging from a light fixture. I don't know. But can we break through today? Can we do a breakthrough? If it's just this, come on. Break through. Let him do something as you worship. How great is our God. How great. How great. If you've experienced the rescue, the salvation that Jesus brings, will you begin to pray for the people on your right and your left? Somebody here may need rescue. We're going to pray for them. Jesus, we are inviting you today to come and rescue us. Rescue us, Jesus, whatever that means. Jesus, some of us have this craving, this thirst. And we've been filling that thirst with all the wrong things. And Jesus, it's you. It's you we've been thirsty for. Jesus, some of us here in this room, we've been, we've been thirsting. And we haven't yet found what we're thirsty for. Jesus, it's you.
Now, while everybody just has their eyes closed and Christians, you're praying, you're interceding. If you need rescue this morning, whatever that means to you, I'm not going to define it. Whatever that means to you, would you raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to make you come forward. Thank you. Oh, all over the room. This is awesome. Come on. You need rescue. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus is Yeshua. He's the Savior. He's the rescuer. Keep your hands raised. Don't, don't put them down. Hold them up high because we're a church that prays and we're going to pray for you. Okay, those of you that are praying, now open your eyes and find somebody that has their hands raised. I want you to surround them and begin to pray for them for Jesus to come and provide this rescue. Come on, move around, guys. Find, find the people with their hands raised. Let's begin to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I am so thankful for this plan that the Father had, that Father, Son, Holy Spirit really had. From before the foundation of the world, there was a plan for rescue. And Jesus, you came and you've rescued us. And there's scores of us in this room that can give testimony that you have changed our lives. You rescued us from the pit. And now, Lord, we're surrounding our, our, our friends and our loved ones that are here with us today, and we're praying Jesus for rescue. I pray that right now, Lord, as we lay hands on, on these individuals, Jesus, we pray for intervention by the power of Jesus for every individual that is needing rescue today. Lord, I, I pray for salvation in the sense of forgiveness of sins for somebody here today. Jesus, I pray that you will wash our sins away with the living water. Lord, I pray for deliverance from addiction for somebody here today. Lord, some of us have been filling up our thirst with stuff that never quenches that thirst. Jesus, we pray for deliverance from addiction today. Lord, we pray for relationship healing today. We pray, Lord, for salvation from, from people that are suffering from these broken relationships. Jesus, we pray for healing in our bodies. Somebody here is suffering in their physical body. Jesus, rescue these people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yada Yahweh. Will you say it with me again? Yada Yahweh. Say it again. Yada Yahweh. I thank you. Say it with me. I thank you. I praise you. Yahweh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I worked up sweat today. Got a little carried away, maybe. This is what Christmas is about. Right? Salvation. Rescue. I hope you will take this this week. Share it with somebody who needs rescue. It's for everybody. Every single buddy. Okay, hope you have a great Sunday. Uh, if you're available this afternoon for the menorah lighting, I hope you'll meet downtown. If you want to stay in worship, would you guys just, can, would you just continue to lead us in worship? Uh, this song is fine. Or whatever you want to do. If you want to stay, if you need to go. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Yes. Oh, Handel's Messiah is at 3 o'clock at the Presbyterian Church. Did not know that. Awesome. Hallelujah. Happy birthday to you. Happy
Well, here I thought we were going to worship. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.